Canucks Central Monday. It's Dan Riccio and Randeep Janda here for a Reach Deep edition of Canucks Central. We're in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. The talk of the town. The Vancouver Canucks, they've been drinking their Dud Soda and their Spros. They keep putting in good performances. Double fisting, man. That's what they're doing. <laughs> they're drinking the good stuff. What's going you, on, Rich? You have the Spro first or the Dud Soda? Probably the, the, the Dud Soda and then wash it down with a Spro. Yeah, I would go Dud Soda second. Depends Dud, on no, the season. Depends on the season. The thing is, Dud Soda is like a, it's like a dessert, right? And, and it's, it can be whatever you it want it to be. Sweet. It can be whatever you want it's it to sweet. be. It's sweet. So, you know, you, you have the sweetness and then... You, you pick yourself back up with the espresso right after it. Okay, fair enough. We'll give you that. Why not? <laughs> as long as you drink it. That's the whole point. One or the other. Just uh, make sure you, you're smashing them back down. Uh, all right. Lots to get into. We're going to have uh, Don Taylor, Hall of Famer, join us uh, just after 4.30. I wonder if he's gotten used to that term yet. Oh, he better get used to it. <laughs> I'm just going to not even say hi, Don. Yeah. Hello, Hall of Famer. <laughs> How are you? Uh, and also Chris Mason, uh, former NHL goaltender, uh, now uh, analyst with the Nashville Predators, will join us coming up after 5 o'clock. Preds in town tomorrow to take on the big bad Canucks. I don't know if it's possible for a fan base to gain as much confidence on their team after a loss as Canucks fans did after losing to the New York Rangers Saturday. They don't have confidence in the referees. No, maybe in not. their team. I mean, that's a, that's a sort of like part of being a Canucks fan. But that's that's a good part of being a, a Canucks fan these days. You don't have to blame your own players. You blame <laughs> the referees, right? That's that's a positive. So it's progress. It's progress. That's that's the confidence right there. Well, we can blame the referees. We don't have to blame the team. So progress. The team game is better because now you're putting yourself in a situation where penalties should be called. Yes. Um, but overall, Reach, you know, working that game on the weekend – for hockey night, I always rewatch a game when I'm working for TV because I watch it kind of differently. It's kind of a yeah. weird. I know you know you watch things differently when you're working in a different kind of host role, right? Yes. Um. So I rewatched it this morning, and Canucks fans should be confident based on the way that that team played. Outside of the five on threes, outside of the special team situation, where you put yourself in that situation, a good team like the Rangers is going to burn you. Yeah. It's going to happen. We saw it happen. But outside of that, five on five. They look good. Outside of that, they were in a position where they were dictating the play. And that's mm-hmm. something that I look at, man, and say, yeah, you should be confident. I uh, I generally don't like to call out other shows uh, on this program, uh, but I heard something. Since when? Uh, well, since <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> but I heard something on Canucks Talk today that just blew my mind. Drantz thought the Rangers were the better team on the night. And I guess it's a typical sort of Drance take, but are we serious about this? I get that the Canucks didn't generate a ton at five on five, but the Rangers basically didn't generate anything at five on five. They scored two five on three goals and then another five on four. And then in overtime, they got a referee aided three on one that allowed them to win the game. Otherwise, it was a fairly even game, and actually the Canucks had the better of the chances 
at five on five if we're being honest about it. And this is a, a Rangers team that considers itself a cup contender. They're a really good hockey team. Canucks held them at bay. Are the Canucks great? Are they perfect? Could the bottom fall out of this? Absolutely. All those things could be true, but I'm tending to be more and more positive, more and more optimistic about what we're seeing. And that Rangers game was another cherry on top of how this Canucks team is building their identity as a defense first hockey team. We're taking care of our own. And we'll worry about how we're going to score as the game goes on. But we trust our guys, Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, somebody, one of our big offensive talents is going to make a difference at some point. And as long as we take care of our own, we'll get those opportunities. And that's something that we were looking back at and saying, okay, talk at hockey. What does that mean? Yeah. Right. And in Arizona, he didn't necessarily have the superstars or the star level talent that he has in Vancouver now. So it was like watching paint dry a little bit more in Arizona when he's <laughs> honestly like that's that's what hey, it look, felt there like. There was parts of Saturday's game that were sort of boring, but you still have star level talent yeah. that can take over games. Elias Pettersson can do that. Quinn Hughes can do that. JT Miller can do that. Game breakers. Going back to that Saturday night performance. First of all, and we haven't even mentioned this, second of a back-to-back, you're playing a legit playoff team. We're not. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, this is a team, as you mentioned, they have Stanley Cup aspirations, and the Canucks brought it. The Canucks put together a professional performance yet again. So, overall, if talk at hockey means low event, you're not maybe scoring that much or generating that much, but you're picking up points, you're winning games, and you're limiting what's coming through the middle of the ice. You're limiting what's in transition – Winning puck battles all over the ice. You know, the back pressure has been excellent the last two or three games. Oh, man. There was – Beauvillier had a couple of nice ones. Kuzmenko, over the last couple of games, has nullified potential three-on-twos in different occasions. It's been really different to see how this team is able to continuously uh, thwart any offensive uh, opportunities for the opposition. Okay, I know the third period against St. Louis – They got a little bit loose there, and they weren't playing their stars as much, all those different things. But if we're being honest about this, we'll get into some of the numbers. I know some people are already texting in about, you know, their analytics and all that stuff. But if you're looking at it from, like, watching the games, do they give up a ton of odd man rushes coming back their own way? Nope. So that tells you they're sticking to the staples. Take the first three games of the season out of the equation. Yeah. Most recently, no, they're not giving those up. They haven't been giving those up. And even when they are in their own end, they do a pretty good job of boxing out the front of the net. So they're not giving second and third chance opportunities easily. That was something they struggled with earlier in the season. Lately, it's been better. They haven't, even when they do get hemmed in their own end on the odd occasion, they do a good job of keeping things to the perimeter and protecting the house, as we like to say. Defensively, this team has made huge strides, and it tells us that they have bought in to a certain level of, okay, whatever we were doing before wasn't working. And that's why it feels as though, to everybody watching right now, from the start of Rick Tockett's tenure midway through last season to now, he feels like the right guy at the right time for this team. 
teaching those staples, as he calls it, the basics, uh, the structure, all of that, whatever word you're using, whatever buzzword we've heard in the, the last 365 days here in Vancouver, that's being coached. And I go back to training camp reach where there was a lot of informo- information that was downloaded on these guys. Like they, they had to make sure that they got the details right. And they're still figuring it out, yep. right? It's not perfect. We got a long way to go in this race. This oh, is a yeah. marathon. But if you look at the next two games, the Predators, we know the Predators can be dangerous. They're a team that generates a lot, and they beat the Leafs on the weekend. There's an opportunity for them to come into Vancouver, and they could win this game. They're a decent team. And especially if they get a UC Soros that's on his game, they could steal a game. You got the Sharks after that. We know what they are. They're terrible. Yeah. They stink. Mm-hmm. They're bad. They're, they're atrocious. They're ferocious, the only... <laughs> as you would say. Yeah, they are this, <laughs> the only winless team still in hockey. Feels like a trap game, though. Like, they're definitely going to Can you not say that, Josh? Can you br- not bring that negative energy into the show? There. It's Monday. Trying There's already enough there. negative energy on a Monday to begin Counter-reactive. with. Counteractive. I believe in trap games, but if you lose to the San Jose Sharks, you're just bad. You know, that, that sounds like a Minnesota Vikings fan really upset about Kirk Cousins' injury. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Don't you worry. <laughs> We're talking about that later. Um, but after that, you got the Stars. You got the Oilers. Yeah. Sens, whatever. And then you got the Toronto Maple Leafs. So that test of, is this your identity? Is this actually your identity? Is going to come very soon. I don't necessarily think it's going to come in the next two games. Yeah. But on the road, especially in that Toronto game, you're going to figure out against really high-end teams, is, can they stick with this identity? They did a great job against the Rangers. That was a big question mark for me after the St. Louis game to say, hey, it's great to play it this way against a Predators team and a St. Louis team. Probably pretty similar in the standings. But can you do this against a bona fide playoff team, a team that has cup aspirations? Yeah. Check mark. They did. Yeah. Now, that road trip, and especially that game against Dallas, too, that's where I say, all right, let's see if you can stick to that identity in those games. So what um, what I've tended to say here over the last week and a bit about this Canucks team is when people are citing some of the the numbers and the underlying metrics – the underlyings, as I like to call them, um, it's still too early. You can have all of the fun with small sample sizes that you want. We don't have a large enough sample size to really tell us or give us a proper depiction of what is actually happening. Because, yeah, you're you're looking at these numbers, and uh, you know, I find what Jay Fresh does on Twitter to be fun and he's got a nice brand and tells the story of what the numbers are telling us uh, about players and teams and all this stuff. But, you know, he's put out things over the last couple of days that are like uh, highest uh, expected goal differential and the Canucks are number one and highest shooting percentage, the Canucks are number one. And everything is sort of to suggest that the bottom is going to fall out for the Vancouver Canucks. Offensively, They've probably gotten a few bounces. You know, Quinn Hughes has got three goals already. Tyler Myers has a goal. How often does that happen? Um, All of those things can be true. But you know what? How about I have some fun with small sample sizes, Randy? Let's do it. Let's do it. How about I have a little bit of fun with what's going on over the last five games for the Vancouver Canucks? Because you know what? I think the first three games of the season were really... I almost want to throw them all out the window. Okay, like random Janda and small sample size Dan? Is this what we're going with? Yeah, You got a new nickname for Dan? Uh, I, I don't need any sort of small 
references linked to me uh, sorry, already my bad. because my bad. of all the short jokes I've you know had to deal with over the my sports at 650 career my, my entire life really it's it's fine it's fine sorry uh, I brought it up small sa- <laughs> but the small sample size of the story is those first three games you win eight one against the Oilers it's a laugher you know I tend to throw laughers out the window a lot of the time because they don't really tell you a, a, a full story right you know both teams are kind of just cruising at the end of the game as we know can happen in those types of situations. The next one, Canucks win it. Oilers are in their home opener. You got angry Connor McDavid and angry Leon Dreisaitl throwing everything they can at the night. They're playing like 25, 26 minutes trying to get the Oilers back into the win column, and the shot metrics are just heavily against the Canucks in that game. Throw it out. The third game is against Philadelphia, and we all know Canucks stunk the joint out. As bad a performance as you will see from the Vancouver Canucks, even though the score was only 2 nothing, So you throw those three games out and look at these last five games. It tells a completely different story about what the Canucks' defensive metrics seem to be. So yes, this is why you need a larger sample so that it sort of bleeds out the noise that all of these one-game samples can really affect your overall numbers. But two... You look at these last five games, guess who is number one in expected goals against per 60? Your Vancouver Canucks. At five on five, they have given up the least of any team in the National Hockey League after that first three-game sample. So you want to have fun with small samples and say, hey, the Canucks are bottoming out and uh, this is not going to last forever. And on the defensive side, we are seeing significant improvements in this team's defensive posture, the way that they defend and how they're going to defend with Rick Tockett as head coach and how much it works where the cautionary tale is how much offense is it taking away from them and how is it affecting the amount that they generate as a team in the offensive end. I remember the end of the Travis green era very well. It was a dark period of time for Canucks fans. Yep. It's a lot of losing. It eight games in twenty-five. It was the era of Travis Tight Lips. Yes, <laughs> Travis Tight Lips. I ain't saying nothing. Um, we didn't get anything about injuries. We got very short media avails. Even how are you was a very difficult question. It was at a time. Poor Batch, just always fielding that first question, just getting shut down. Okay, we're exaggerating a little bit, but in that end of Travis Green tenure. The Canucks actually defended really well at five on five, couldn't score worth a lick, and every game got really tilted on special teams. Yeah. And that's where I think the cautionary tale for this team may come in, the yellow flag, if you will. If you're going to play a lot of games where special teams makes the difference, how is that going to affect this team? Because five on five, Canucks were better against the Rangers. But they didn't generate a lot more than the New York Rangers. They generated more than the New York Rangers did. And then the game was decided on special teams. Canucks had two five-on-threes they got scored against, and that's where the game was decided. That's the cautionary tale of this Canucks team. They're going to keep things close at five-on-five. How does the special teams allow them to get more wins as the season goes on? Than losses. One area, and I get the Travis Green comparison because 
I don't think it's a, a huge secret that Rick Talkin and Travis Green see the game very similarly. They're, they're buds. They're buds. Um, and there's even Rick Talkin mentioned talking to, to Greener, as he calls yes. him, about taking the job in Vancouver. There's, there's a close relationship there. But beyond that, one difference compared to that team or that era of Vancouver Canucks versus this one and playing a similar style is the top end of this lineup, they're game breakers. Yeah. Elias Pettersson was maybe not to the same level. We know he was not to the same level as he is now. He's impacting the game everywhere he's on the ice, whether it's the neutral zone, whether it's in the attacking zone, we know, but defensively as well. Quinn Hughes, we see what he's doing on a nightly basis. He's a, a very different player on both ends of the ice. JT Miller, very responsible defensively now as well, something we couldn't necessarily say to the same point. But one area that I think your point about special teams is right. They're going to need to be one of the – what they're capable of. They're capable of being a top five power play in the league. They need to be pretty decent, I would say, on the penalty kill. Like yeah. middle of the pack. We're not asking for a top ten. But you're going to have to make sure that you are still doing you know, a good job on the penalty kill. You're not historically bad, but you're kind of middle of the pack would be good. Reach, the other thing is when we talk about scoring, the bottom six is going to have to step up. And – yeah. That's the area of even though your star players are better, are you able to get something out of your third line? The fourth line, I'm not expecting much. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's nice to get scoring from players like Teddy Bluger when he's healthy and Sam Lafferty, but the reality is you're probably not going to get that much. The third line, we talked about it so much. It's in the an $11 million dollar third line the way that they uh, lined up at practice today. For sure. There's skill there. There's a guy like Bavillier who put up 40 points last yeah. year. Like He's capable of scoring. Garland an expensive third line, $5 million player there, but he's capable of putting up points. Pew Suter, this guy scored at least 14 goals in three NHL seasons. He's capable of scoring goals. You need some sort of production there because even though you have game breakers, even though there are players that, if you play a defensive style, that might be able to save you every now and then or power you, you're still going to need something from your third line. So, yeah, playing defensively, I can understand that. You're sacrificing offense, but you need something from that third line at some point. Uh, third line had a little bit of a different look at practice today. Uh, it was Anthony Beauvillier moving up to play with Pew Suter and Connor Garland. And then the fourth line featured Nils Hoaglander, Sam Lafferty, and Jack Studnika. Dakota Joshua was the odd man out, Rick Tockett saying today in his morning availability, that uh, he's not made any decisions on the lineup today but uh, has continued to have conversations with Dakota Joshua and his play. He might, uh, he might feature in the Monday menu with one Dakota Joshua. So, you know what? Let's get to it. It's Monday. It's time for the Monday menu. Searing up. Oh, Randy's a vegetarian, so we're not searing up steak on the Monday menu. It's very classy, though. I feel like I'm at some sort of, like, high-end restaurant downtown. Yes. Let's call it Richo's. <laughs> you know there's a Richo's in Palm Springs? Uh, there's a couple in Italy I walked by. I was going to take photos, oh, but yes. I was like, why? Why am I taking photos for Richo uh, on vacation? No. Actually, Alex Ald alerted me to the uh, Il Richo in Anna Capri, and I, uh, it's it's actually a Michelin star restaurant. Okay, look at that. Look at that. It no. sounds like it could be. It yeah. sounds nice. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's on... It's on Capri, so. It must be. It must be pretty fancy. Everything on, on Capri is actually, like, ridiculously expensive. Okay. Have, you, have you been? I know. I, I, was, I mean, you spend more time in Italy than anybody here. I believe I'm an honorary citizen, yes. if I'm not mistaken. I no, believe I, that, like, they are making you an honorary citizen pretty next soon. Next trip. Uh, no, I, I haven't been to Capri, though. <laughs> okay. Is You're it Capri or Capri? 
It's uh, to me, it's Capri. Okay, I'm more of a Tuscany guy. <laughs> Toscana. Capri is uh, yeah, that's uh, the Anglo-sized way of saying it. Capri ah. is uh, the more proper way of saying it. But yeah, a, an espresso on Capri will cost you about seven euros. Yeah, I'm not going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that place ain't for me. That's, that's a no for me, dog. Uh, all right, let's get to the Monday menu on the main course. You know, I, I think it would be fair to put like you know all of the uh, stars on the menu, but I don't want to like list through all of them. So this is like uh, you're going out to a nice restaurant. They don't really do family platters, but you're like, we want everything that's the best on the menu, mm, like a sampler. Yes, and uh, the Canuck stars are that right now for the main course. Elias Pettersson's going. JT Miller's going. Quinn Hughes is going. They don't have any other guys not going right now, so they're all on the main course. So this is like a caviar platter, like the best yeah. caviar on the planet, yes. basically on one platter. Yes. I like it. I like it. I'm, uh, I'm a vegetarian, but still, I, <laughs> I understand where you're going with. Uh, the other thing that's on the main course. Now, this might shock some people, okay? <laughs> the Canucks have the two best pairs in all of the National Hockey League right now on defense. Hughes and Hronik, we know. Check. But has anybody realized how good Ian Cole and Mark Friedman have been together? It also it actually coincides with the Canucks starting to really tilt the ice into their opponent's end. But Ian Cole and Mark Friedman, in 41 minutes together, have shared a uh, 61.9% Corsi. They've scored three goals, have not been scored against. So, yes, the Canucks' top two pairs right now, neither have surrendered a goal at 5-on-5, five five, both Hughes Hronick and Cole Friedman. And they've also got a 72.5% expected goals for. So, for all you numbers nuts out there, they're even good by the numbers. That's wild, man. High danger chances, 4-12, 5 against. They're controlling that. I'm saying it right now. Elliot Friedman, your days as being the most <laughs> famous Friedman in Vancouver are numbered. Mark Friedman has taken that crown. Uh, Cole Friedman is uh, on the main course. They're like the perfect carbonara with the right guanciale. Everything's working for the Cole Friedman pair. Love it. What uh, else he got? What, what else is on this main course, man? On the main course, I think team defense has got to be on the main course. You know why? All the things we just mentioned. Over the last five games, the Canucks are the best at... Not giving up much of anything. And we really know that really hasn't been the case since like 2011, 2012. The peak years of Vancouver Canucks hockey. Team defense is it. Last three games, 146 shot attempts. Four, 79 against. Mm. Not bad. Not bad. Pretty good. Not bad. That's the twice-baked potato of the main course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it just never disappoints. No. It could be on, like, every menu, and you'd be okay with it. Yep. It's like a staple. The twice-baked potato. All right. Th- Legendary. That's the, that's the good part. Yeah. What else you got on this menu? Uh, simmering. Ilya Mikheyev comes back off of injury. Looks great. Helps the top line. Got a couple of points. Scored some goals. I like what Ilya Mikheyev's bringing. So he is uh, bubbling at the surface right now, helping this Canucks team. All right. Nils Hoaglander gets back in the lineup, stays in the lineup. Nils is becoming a feature part of the menu. You love to see it. Okay, with Niels, though, is it kind of like one spoonful is really good, and then you take the next one, you're just like, this one's a little off. It needs a little bit more salt, right? 
<laughs> it kind of feels like that at certain times. I love this game, yes. but there's puck management issues that still pop up every now and then. It's well, a little, the, the uh, a little too salty. The for my icing liking. he conceded at the end of the second period on Saturday was. Uh, I've seen better choices made. Uh, finally, simmering, Arshdeep Baines. We're going down to Abbotsford for this one. That's right, Arshdeep Baines, thirteen points. Co-leader in the NHL, or NHL maybe one day. Yeah. AHL in terms of scoring. He's definitely simmering. First call-up potential. Yeah. This is uh, R.S.D. Baines, I think, uh, is is like on the test menu right now. You know? And he's he's getting sampled to see if it's going to make it to the main menu pretty soon. He's looking good. Shout out to Christian Willannon as well. Co-leader in points. I mean, wasn't Christian Willannon the AHL Defenseman of the Year when he played like 47 games in the A last year? Well, nobody picked him up when he was put on waivers, <laughs> so that tells you something, right? Uh, return to Kitchen. Uh, sorry, Dakota Joshua. You might be in the press box tomorrow night. Coach still not loving what Dak is bringing. Yeah, that F1 from last year, I don't see him. He's not getting there. He's not getting to this spot as yeah. quickly. Uh, he's been okay on the PK, but mm, at 5-on-5, five five, he's been not noticeable. That's kind of a problem for Dakota Joshua. He needs a little seasoning. Uh, third line, we talked about it. That's uh, it's ice cold right now. And finally, this is a serious return to kitchen. Stripes. What are you guys doing out there, Stripes? This is awful. It's like when you comes to the table, there's like a hair in the meal. <laughs> like, we're, what are we doing here? Nobody wearing a hairnet back there? Get it together, fellas. Make the right call. Were you blind when you were putting the salt on this thing? Getting high blood pressure after one spoonful. Okay, I got one. That's even worse. Yeah. When you're a vegetarian, you ask for the vegetarian option. They send it with chicken <laughs> on it. That's what, the, that's what the refs did last game. They sent the dish with chicken for a vegetarian, all right? Yeah. Not good. Not cool. The too many men penalty was just... To call that when a team is already shorthanded, Considering what they let go when a team is generally shorthanded, tough look. Uh, all right. Don Taylor is going to join us. Yes. Hall of Famer Don Taylor next on Canuck Central.